0: And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Italian for into the mouth of the wolf. Wow. Which is uh, apparently an idiomatic expression for good luck. Uh, Because, well, Ferrari could use some. Um, Also, apparently you don't say thank you in response, but rather "crepi il lupo, which means may the wolf croak.
1: Okay, man. (laughs) they love romulus and ramus over there they're just like sticking wolves in anywhere they can get them
0: uh that is danny o'dwyer i am drew scanlon also joining us rob zach and how are you rob
2: um i look forward to spa every year and increasingly <laughs> i wonder why <laughs>
0: Uh, if you are new to this podcast, welcome. And if you're new to Formula One itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge and gives a load on, on uh, how the sport works and who everybody is. I need to like redo that part of the script because I always trip over it. Um, this year's primer is episode 96. If you'd like to go back and listen to that. Uh, the show is also supported by our audience at patreon.com slash shift F1 where every month we release bonus podcasts and stuff exclusively for our patrons uh, that covered weird F- F1 or quasi racing related films such as like we did this week and a lot of other strange <laughs> things. So if you want to support the show and get access to all of that head over to patreon.com slash shift one or click the link in the show notes. What did we talk about
1: last month Danny? Oh man! Last month, yesterday, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, it went up last day of the month. Um, we did a uh, we did the Grand Prix the prior month, which was a very very long movie. So Rob had the fantastic idea of doing an incredibly short movie. Uh, in fact, a short movie, a sort of a cinema verite um, classic from nineteen seventy six. Uh, uh, most known seventy six, I should say, although it was full of sexy car noises uh c'était un rendezvous uh uh, sort of mostly known as rendezvous a famous short movie um about a parisian or a car darting through the um, parisian streets in the in the morning in the 70s it's a wonderful thing we talked about it for an hour about half of that though was about why it was late which was that my stolen car finally turned up but it was full of crystal meth um I, I don't want to tell that story again, because it took 20 minutes to half an hour to tell it <laughs> on that podcast, and we've got lot to cover today. I'm also conscious of monetizing my meth car story, so if anyone just <laughs> wants to know about what the meth car was about, and actually, the story gets worse after I find all the meth, um, you can just go to my Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Daniel Dwyer, and you will see the whole story play out there. But if you want to support us, and get access to all those film reviews, and also my story about... <laughs> car turning up full of drugs and sex toys then go to patreon.com slash shift f1 uh i don't
0: know pitch. what's coming up this
1: month sorry what we're what gonna figure pitch. out what's coming up this month and we'll do it
0: yeah, yeah. um <laughs> well let's get right into the race such as it was uh i've got the grid here what do you know lewis hamilton on pole followed by his teammate valtteri botas master steppen in third but the big surprise i think was uh the Renault performance in qualifying daniel ricardo mm. lining up in fourth place then we've got alex Albon making his one year anniversary at red bull um and then esteban O'Kahn, the other renault uh, in sixth having gotten a new power unit and gearbox for the weekend uh Carlos Sainz qualified seventh but didn't take the start due to a power unit exhaust problem um yeah. apparently that was like an internal engine thing so mclaren is waiting on renault to uh examine it and oh. tell him what happened
1: he stalled on the grid last year as well do you remember he actually didn't. So Is he just right? has a terrible start. Yeah, oh, he stalled on the on the grid last year, so he just has a terrible time at Spa. Uh,
0: Sergio Perez in eighth, Lance Troll in ninth, and Landon Norris rounding up the top ten. Um, Daniel Kvyat in 11th, Pierre Gasly in 12th. You'll notice I haven't said any Ferrari names yet. That's because oh they gosh. qualified on merit 13th for Leclerc and 14th for Vettel. Uh, two-tenths faster than Russell in the Williams. Uh,
2: Leclerc, it was touching to go if they were going to make it out of Q1. Yeah, yeah. like, Leclerc, this, go it ahead. was the most dire reaction I've seen from F1 Twitter about a practice, maybe in years, <laughs> where, like, uh, by the time Free Practice 2 wrapped up, uh, it was already becoming a meme, like, how bad the Ferraris were performing, And obviously, you know, nobody's going to come up with any solutions overnight. The car's just down on power and Spa is a fast track uh, with a lot of elevation. And yeah, there was a there was a minute there where it was like kind of white knuckle whether or not Ferrari was going to get out of Q1. Um, Obviously, um, as a messy bitch who loves drama. I was kind of hoping that at least one of those cars would not make it out of Q one just to like fully like let's just let's just tear off the band-aid. Let's just have a Ferrari eliminated in Q one and see what happens. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean Leclerc only escaped Q one by um nine hundredths of a second to Kimi Raikkonen. Yikes. Um, And I think they were uh, in desperation running like a very low downforce car in the race because Leclerc clocked what I saw somebody saying as the fastest s- straight line speed ever at 225 miles an hour during the race, which is crazy. Whoa. Um, But yeah, just finishing off the grid here. George Russell in 15th, then Kimi Raikkonen in 16th, followed by Roman Grosjean. Some power unit problems for Haas this weekend. Uh, Them having Ferrari cars in the back or uh, engines in the back of their cars. <laughs> Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi in eighteenth, Nicholas Latifi in nineteenth, and Kevin Magnussen in twentieth. You want to take us
1: through the start, Danny? Sure. Uh, A bit of a mixy grid up there. No Ferraris, but plenty of Renaults and Red Bulls to get in each other's way. Um, The two Mercedes sitting up front, Uh, as ever. Hamilton, great start off the line. Uh, most of the battle like actually happened between Ricardo and Verstappen, who were pretty clean through the first couple of corners um Oppo Rouge, there was no contact, nobody went wide on turn one, I don't think, which they did in both f two races and both f three races <laughs> um they were they were really good actually, although there was a pretty bad crash in one of them um thankfully everyone was okay um the yeah, so at the end of the camel straight is where Ricardo and Verstappen got a little bit messy um I think the eyes were on them to make sure that they were still in the fight. Like the worst thing that can happen is that they have a little bit of a tangle and suddenly we don't see the silver arrows again. Um but at the end of the Camel Straight, uh Ricardo attempts to go around the outside of Verstappen on that right-hander and oh, sorry, on the inside. And Verstappen squeezes him out and pushes him a little bit off. Once they uh, rejoin on that uh, left-hander. Um and yeah, that was pretty much uh that was it. I think the biggest <laughs> shift we saw in uh on the first lap. <laughs> was, uh, Leclerc was up until ninth by the time they crossed the line, which is pretty good. <laughs> Rob is uh, just passed out because of the thrill of this race that we're getting into here.
2: It was, it's, it's rough. I was, I was sort of sitting there. I was thinking about, um, and I think we were talking about this a, a little bit yesterday. Um, we've had years where teams are individually not competitive I can't name a year where an engine supplier gets it so wrong that they take everyone down with them. Uh, We've got six cars, basically, just wallowing back there. And mind you, the Haas had issues before uh, when the Ferrari engine was a bit more on form. But at this point, like uh the um alpha romeos were not this terrible last year they were a de- they were a respectable midfield team and so it's not just that ferrari is not showing form and not making it interesting up front it's like a jenga tower where like both at the front of the grid and then in the middle of the grid they've kind of pulled the blocks out and like the spectacle's kind of collapsed because of it because like when you have that many teams just sort of sort to the bottom uh there does be, there is kind of a deterministic quality to the racing um and i think the the real the, o- the the only real source of interest uh in this race is actually the kind of freak accident we had yeah. that threw a massive curveball into the tire strategies which basically accounts for every other bit of drama we had for the rest of the race
1: yeah, this this it almost feels like tire gate. <laughs> it's like it's like it feels like uh, they're all on one set of tires and the the half the grid is on the other set of tires and some of them are competitive and the other ones might as well have just pulled into the pits before the race started. Um it's a shame. It's a it's a funny one.
0: Yeah, so lap 14 Giovinazzi just kind of loses it um and crashes on the right side of the track and then his yeah. car and um most notably a wheel Comes loose from his car, drifts, you know, uh, to the left into the middle of the track, and then Russell, who's right behind him, tries to avoid um, hitting the tire. But the tire does hit his front right, and then Russell also uh, collects the the left side wall. So, um, safety car. Scary. Uh, yeah, really scary because those tires, um, those You're wheels are not supposed to, not no. supposed to come off. This is the second time we've seen that this year. Second
1: time. Yeah, second time this year. Exactly. And also, I think there was a bit of suspension still connected to this one when it when it popped over. Uh, Giovannazzi has priors on this corner as well. Last year, do you remember Puhan Earlier in the corner. Early on because it's like that crazy downhill left-hander, right? So, But he lost it and binned the car on the outside with like 10 laps to go hmm. last year, I think it was. Uh, same thing, just kind of lost the rear end. Uh, no one near him just you know struggled with grip and this was further down that apex going much 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 slower but it was the same thing again you just unfortunately lost it it's not the type of thing you want to be doing uh, but when it wasn't such
2: out. a violent like i mean it was obviously like uh it tripped the g the g load sensors that that bring out the uh ems yeah. when the when these cars crash but like i think about um, I don't know. I'm very curious to see what is going on with the tire tethers, because uh, it does feel like we've seen this twice. And I am thinking about some of the like ridiculously violent stuff I've seen in some indie races where like a lot of stuff can go wrong, but the tethers... Tend to work, um, Mm. like in, in all but like the most extreme cases. And here it just, yeah, I was, I was really startled, uh, to see that wheel just sort of rolling free with a lot of speed behind it. You see it when it hits, um, Russell's car and obviously Russell's car uh, has a lot of speed as well but like the side impact on that tire breaks the suspension like it's a chicken wing Um, that's the thing And, and
1: people you can you can if you're new to F1 as well you might the relative speed that you see on the onboard from Russell is not the true speed of that impact. Because we're riding with Russell, so to us, we're almost like a stationary object, and that thing is coming towards us. You have to remember, similar to Felipe Massa's sorry Felipe Massa's uh, bolts problem he had back whatever whatever how long it was now ten years ago, like the speed that Russell's traveling at is incredibly high. So if a tire hits you like that, like I, I I'm glad it didn't hit the halo. I would have been it would have been interesting to see how well the halo even held up to something like that because they're super uh, heavy and you're traveling really fast like that's before the breaking zone after a relatively like you take that turn i think in seventh gear um so yeah scary stuff I'm, i'm with rob it was it's once was bad enough seeing the tether come off, where no one's expecting them to stay on every single time, one hundred percent. But when when a sort of innocuous crash like that happens, and um, weirdly enough, one of the only parts of Spa that now does not have runoff because it can't. Same as where we had the the Hubert um, incident last year, the tragic incident that took his life. Um, the last thing you want to see is a car. Being pushed back onto the track which happened in both instances but the last thing you want to see is a tire come off and getting pushed back onto the track like that's just that's not good in, in a number of ways so yeah i'm glad everyone walked away it could have been a lot worse
0: yeah we do get a safety car um and tons of people pit a couple double stacks mercedes double stacks it uh, as does renault and when you do that of course the the second car to come in loses a bit more time because they have to you know check up a little bit in case you know if the car in front of them is not gone by the time they mm-hmm. get to the pit um and that enables albon to jump Ocon into seventh place uh and i did did verstappen jump botas then no as well? he almost did um, almost did okay. but Ocon had gotten around albon uh at the, the very first corner i think um gasly and perez didn't pit so they inherit fourth and fifth respectively uh also i just wanted to point out Lap 2, Perez squeezed Gasly into yeah. Eau Rouge, the same place he so did good. to Ocon in 2017, uh, except he gave him a little more space this time, and Gasly got by. Uh, really cool um,
1: uh, move. Yeah, he said something like, that's where we're, That's how we're racing, or that's yeah. where I want to race. Also, it's, it is worth mentioning that Gasly was one of Antoine Hubert's closest friends, yes. and that is where that incident happened. So, when you take into that into account as well, the we talked about the balls of um Mark Webber, who did the famous overtake around the outside of that. This is kind of a bit of a flipped over situation, but to overtake on a takes an incredible amount of skill and also incredible amount of guts. And to be able to do that, considering what happened last year, was, Gazi's on Gasly's on fire.
0: At yeah, the moment. he really is. Um, lap sixteen, <laughs> Kimi Räikkönen gets by Sebastian Vettel with the aid of DRS <laughs> for twelfth <12th> place. <laughs> They both stopped for hard tires (laughs) under the safety car. So, this is not a tire thing. Oh, yeah. Just for a position. Yep. Uh, Perez's (laughs) tire strategy doesn't really help him because he uh, gets passed by Ricardo and Albon uh, soon after the restart. And a few laps later, Ricardo takes Gasly for
1: fourth. Yeah. Uh, Again, that's uh, that's when you could kind of see that strategy hadn't panned out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. um, No, we're getting. Albin takes a little longer to get by Gasly, but does so around lap 24. Gasly then pits uh, on lap 26. It rejoins in 16th place, uh, only ahead of Charles Leclerc, uh, having nice. had to stop for tires uh, and to top up a um, the pneumatic system, something I've never seen yeah. before. Like in addition to the people changing tires uh, on all four corners of the car one uh mechanic came in from the s- the left side and plugged what looked like an air hose into the side of the car to top up the pneumatic system um and they had to uh, do which this gave sh- us one of
1: sorry go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, it gave us one of the best uh team radio messages of the year have you did you see this yeah
0: yeah
1: go for it <laughs> yeah yeah like, okay yeah so he uh They tell him as he's coming in, we're going to fill you with air. We're going to fill the air up or something. And he pulls in and the tires go on. Lollipop person stay in there or whatever. Lights haven't gone off. Jack guy's still there. And uh, then they let him go after a couple of seconds. And he basically says, like, he curses twice and goes, oh, my God, like he's frustrated. He gives his best uh, uh,
0: Marcus Phoenix. Ah, come on.
1: Yeah. Oh, come on. (laughs) And then the engineer says radio off, radio off. And uh, Charles says, well, that's this is awkward. And then he said, uh, he says something back to him about like, oh, we had to do something. Something. He's like, no, it's just awkward because I had the radio on. Whoops. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not being very polite.
1: <laughs> I'm not being very polite. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. He uh, he pulled a naked gun. Um, some other good radio. Raikkonen's drink bottle, I guess, still causing him problems. He says, I have I a lot so. of water on my right foot from somewhere. <laughs> uh, somewhere. Vettel, you know. Being the strategist on the track says, uh, I'm not going to pass these guys up front. Better think about pitting. Engineer says, nope, we're staying out. And he says, well, we're not going to gain anything by staying out. Um,
1: same old, same old between those two.
2: Yeah. And uh, I think, Rob, do you have something? I just, Leclerc is also feeling it though, too. Like yeah. just the tenor of the Ferrari radio comes this weekend was pissy, I would say. Um, and it's just it's one of those things where when nothing is working right everything just starts getting worse like i i am increasingly unconvinced now that like that be frustrated and annoyed but i'm increasingly unconvinced that it's so much just about his situation with ferrari then like at this point everyone is just in hell season and would like to be doing anything but this
1: could you imagine how difficult it is doing this job And you enjoying it like right now in this moment in time, flying around the world during this pandemic, being in bubbles, doing all this sort of stuff to be doing that. And then also to be like the worst crew or during this terrible time for Ferrari, like it's in a weird season. It just must suck.
2: Like, did did you see the uh, thing that um, was it? uh, Oh, gosh. Not Anthony Davidson. uh Deresta. Uh, from the he did the compare the lap comparison of the Ferrari uh, the year last year, year at Spa. Yeah, yeah, it's like a uh, year and a half or the, it, or the
1: second and a half. Was this qualifying or was this because they're the race, speech. I want, or maybe okay. it was during
2: qualifying, but uh, yeah, I think it was it was during qualifying. But where they where they show like they sync the footage from the two laps, the 2019 uh, car, which I think took pole, and then the 2020 syncs them at the moment they cross timing and scoring. And It's all pretty normal until they start. Going down the straight to Aruge and then uh, down the straight to Lacombe. And you just see the, like, visibly the 2020 Ferrari, like, falling off the uh, time where by the time the the footage ends with uh, the 2019 car entering Lacombe, the 2020 car is nowhere near there. Wow. Um, and it was just brutal footage uh, showing just how completely the pace has been wiped out ever since. Um, Ever, ever since those engine changes.
0: Well, uh, other drivers are having better days than Ferrari. Well, I guess. <laughs> Most. <laughs> Most, if not all. <laughs> um, well, except for the guys who crashed and uh, signs who didn't start. Um, back in the field, Pierre Gasly and um, Sergio Perez are making up places on their alternate tire strategy, um, Perez having pitted earlier. But on lap 40, Gasly jumps uh, Perez... With DRS for ninth place, and a few laps later, gets stroll for eighth. Um, his mm. lap chart looks awesome, by the way. You could just kind of see him climbing up the field pretty steadily, uh, and it seemed like the uh, the viewers took notice because he was awarded driver of the day, mm. uh, which uh, he was very happy about after the race. Um, last... A year after
1: his re-debut on Toro Rosso,
0: <laughs> that's yeah, very very apt. You're right. Um, last lap. Ocon uh gets albon for fifth uh with a pretty good move um yeah. and uh and and that's the race
1: essentially yeah norris norris almost was threatening albon as well i almost feel like he just probably didn't bother because he didn't want to hurt his mate's chances of keeping that seat. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: i think he, he, i don't know it's, Uh landon norris takes no prisoners did you see that interview afterwards someone asked him no. uh Hey, what do you uh, what do you think when you're sitting on the grid there and you hear that uh, Carlos Sainz, your teammate, uh, won't take the start and Lando immediately, mm. like without no hesitation, he says, one more place.
1: Wow. Can we? Can I? Can we he do was one, joking, two things? I want, by the way, two, two things I want to mention. One, uh, Hamilton had a very interesting interview before the race where he was talking about the competitiveness of the cars and saying that Verstappen, he kind of called it as it is. He said Verstappen. Doesn't have, you know, he's got Valtteri pushing him and Max doesn't have that. You know, Max is out there on his own. Yeah. Which is very interesting to hear from Hamilton, you know, basically saying that Ocon's not at his level. Which is, you know, that maybe that's part of this problem, is that the closest person that was to Max was Danny Ricardo. They got rid of him and he left. Yeah. They've they've had trouble getting someone who's anywhere close to Max's ability.
0: Interesting, yeah. I, I, I read that as, like, a lot of headlines were like, Hamilton says... O, O'Connor or uh, Albon isn't up to the task. Um, mm. I, I read his comments and maybe this is me, just me being the uh, the Albon defender that I am um, of like he needs a he needs a car that's better
1: as good for Albon as it is for Verstappen.
0: Yeah, not not not. He wasn't bringing it all down to the driver. It's basically like Red Bull needs to sort it out and and have two competitive cars.
2: Mm. So I will just point out though, I think this was also. Just the weird shade that teams throw at each other. Because remember, Verstappen was out there uh, last race talking about how uh, Botas should have beaten him in every race uh, with that car. Uh, Verstappen never should have. uh, You should never be splitting the Mercedes. And so Verstappen uh, has been sort of running his mouth, taking shots at uh, Valtteri. And so Hamilton now comes back and is like, you know, uh, really the, uh, you know, Red Bull only has one real driver and the other guy's not holding up the side. So there's, there's a weird, uh, dynamic too of teams concerned trolling each other, um, uh, mm. where, okay, if you <laughs> want to talk out of school, uh, about, you know, <laughs> what's happening in, in our family, I'll talk about yours. Um, it, it, it did strike me. I, I, I do. I hesitate to say I'm an Alvin Defender, uh, because I just, I, I just need more data, but it does yeah. feel like the car is also not working well for him. And this is two years in a row where we've seen similar gaps, uh, and similar issues b- between yeah. the two drivers. And so again, at this point, I'm inclined to think there might be something about the way Red Bull operates, either that the, t- the car is so sp- specifically purpose built to max. Uh, or maybe just the way they tend to handle their number two drivers.
1: Yeah, you could argue that Alexander Albon's biggest problem is uh, getting spun out by Lewis Hamilton as well. Yeah, well, Um, there's that. uh, And the final thing I wanted to mention is, and maybe this is a question for Rob, how's Carlos Sainz
2: feeling right now? (laughs) Uh, the latest in a long line of drivers who thought the perfect career move was to go to Ferrari, and that would sort of sort out their future, uh, and discovering that it's a disaster. Uh, but he's discovering
1: it I, I, uh, months before, <laughs> instead oh, of years later, like Alonso and Vettel and... Boy, well, it's isn't Massa? that wild
2: how that worked out? That Ferrari, in a weird way, was treated very well by the fact that the season was on hiatus, and so silly season happened before anyone had seen the cars run. Uh, because I suspect their options would have been very limited uh, <laughs> had people gotten a taste of this car before, um, because people knew there were some issues. Like the the preseason testing did not look this dire, right? Mm. Like it's. It was a concern. It did not look like they'd really closed the gap uh, with, with Mercedes, and they might be struggling a bit with the uh, racing point. But like this sort of free fall wasn't on anyone's radar. And uh, yeah, so in a weird way, Ferrari were able to uh, sell their stock at a high price as they lock up signs, who appears to be leaving McLaren at the exact wrong moment. <laughs> yeah. uh, not unlike Alonso uh who also uh took his ball and went home literally at the moment the team was going to turn the corner wild. so yeah no if uh if your signs um he's following you, in
1: Alonzo's footsteps like he, yeah. like you know for good and ill
2: wild yeah
0: uh well, i guess there you have it Matteo bonato confirmed to have created the coronavirus um <laughs> Lewis Hamilton wins the race crossing his arms atop his Mercedes in the Wakanda salute in honor of mm. Chadwick Boseman. Um Valtteri Bottas in second, Max Verstappen in third, Daniel Ricciardo in fourth. That's how they started, that's how they ended. Uh Ricciardo also got the fastest lap. Um Esteban Ocon in fifth. On the fifth last lap. On the last lap. Um
1: did you, did, yeah, and he got given out to. He was told not to do it by um uh, by Cyril. <laughs> By Cyril, and yeah. Cyril apologized when he came in, which I thought was pretty funny.
0: Yeah, uh, Cyril, uh, a beatable team principal of Renault, said today's result is dedicated to Antoine Hubert, uh, who we think of on this particular weekend. Mm. Um, Alex Albon finished sixth. Uh, Lando Norris in seventh. Pierre Gasly, the driver of the day, in eighth, gained four places. Uh, Lance Stroll in ninth, and Sergio Perez in tenth. Behind them, we have Daniel Kvyat, Uh, Kimi Raikkonen, setting the record for the most mileage of anyone in F1 ever, by the way, this weekend. Um, Then Sebastian Vettel in 13th, behind the Ferrari-engined Alfa Romeo. uh, And Charles Leclerc in 14th, the worst result for Ferrari since 2009. Uh, Mm. By the way, they won the last two Grand Prix at Spa. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Leclerc won last year, right?
0: And Vettel the year before. Mm. Um, Roman Grosjean in 15th Nicholas Latifi in 16th and Kevin Magnuson in 17th Antonio Giovinazzi George Russell and Carlos Sainz did not finish Uh, let's go to the driver standings Lewis Hamilton still in a commanding lead with 157 points Max Verstappen in second with 110 Valtteri Bottas in third with 107 and then a big gap down to Alex Albon in fourth Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris are tied for fifth place with 45 points Lance Stroll has 42 Danny Rick and Sergio Perez are tied for 8th place with 33 points. Esteban Ocon has 26. Carlos Sainz has 23. Pierre Gasly with 18. Sebastian Vettel, 16 points in 13th place. Nico Hülkenberg still holding strong in 14th with 16. Antonio Giovinazzi and Danny Kvyat are tied with 2 in 15th place. Kevin Magnussen in 17th with 1. And then we've got Kimi Räikkönen, Nicholas Latifi, George Russell, and Roman Grosjean with 0. Uh, hmm. Kimi, only 2 points places out of the points uh, on that last race uh constructor wise mercedes is in first of course with 264 points red bull is in second uh with 158 mclaren's in third with 68 racing point in fourth with 66 there's ferrari in fifth place with 61 points Renault right behind with 59 Alpha tauri has 20 Alpha romeo with two gene haas and team with one and williams still with the goose egg but that was Mm. spa
1: that was it. So you sat on to Monza. Yes.
0: Uh, but before Maybe that, good,
1: good thing that Tafosi will be staying at home this year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, should we take it to the news, Danny? Speaking of circuits. Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, you know, yeah. Before we talk about Monza, we have a new circuit on the on the calendar. Kind of. Uh, we're doing an oval. um Kind of. It's not an oval. Uh, no. It's not an. It's not an oval. But it's about as close as we're likely to get in Formula One in 2020. Uh, there is a second race happening in Bahrain. Uh, they are doing the outer circuit, which is one of three um, F1 uh, uh, th- three configurations that would be long enough for an F1 race. Um, this one, though, is rather short. It's a 2.1 mile layout, which makes it shortest only to the ridiculous Monaco, which by legal standards today would not qualify uh, for an F1 race, as I believe we covered in the preseason primer this year, uh, which is going to make it an 87-lap race which is Ooh, a lot. I hope you I hope you enjoy the color blue because flags are going to be <laughs> flying. Um, got a couple of uh, choice quotes here from some folks. Let's uh, talk to Fredrick uh, Vassour, of course, team principal. Alfa Romeo's got a pretty good one. Uh, we didn't do any simulations yet, but for sure with 55 seconds per lap, it will be a big mess on that traffic on qualifying laps. It will be a nightmare. <laughs> However, Vasur says F1 is doing the right thing by using different configurations of barring circuit or it's two races at the venue this year. I think it's exciting to have different layouts at the tracks when we have a double event like this. It makes sense to do something a little bit different, and the advantage with Bahrain is that you have at least three configurations for the layout of the track. It makes sense. It will be a bit different to the first one. So this one's interesting for a number of reasons. One, um, the drivers wouldn't have had much simulation time on this. They wouldn't even like come across it. It's not even like Mugello or something. Sorry, it's Mugello, right? We're saying Mugello. Nope, Mugello. Mugello, okay. It wouldn't even be like that. Where like some of them may have you done it on a sim or played it in a video game. This is kind of a, a totally open season when it comes to having um, experience on this track. The other thing is that because of the configuration of it, it's going to be pretty fast. A lot of wide turns, yeah. a lot of so it's uh, presumably going to be a little bit harsh on the tires as a result because they are not going to get that much um, downtime. Um, I. Don't, are we are presuming that they are still doing this at night time they're not going to swap this one to a day race um probably yeah i guess we'll we'll have to wait and see i'm sure that's the case but in any in any case uh, that that's the big sort of uh, uh issue is the tire attrition rate uh, with uh, fast multiple right hand corners um going to smash up the the left uh, side of some of those tires so should be interesting i'm excited for that i like our double headers they've been fun it's uh, it's kind of reminds me of the F two sprint feature kind of thing a little bit, where we get to shake it up a little bit. You kind of, you almost the the best time to have a race on the track is when you've just had that race because you've all this information on it. So it'll be fun to sort of do that, but have like half the corners be new, you know, and it'll give us interesting insight into where pace is lost and won, and um, where certain parts of the track are good for overtaking and, and others aren't, and how that changes when you start like shifting around the places uh, where overtaking can happen. So, yeah, I'm excited. I think uh, think it'll be fun to spend a bit more time in the Arabian Peninsula.
0: I say we go full 2020 NASCAR and don't do practice or qualifying. Just sight unseen, everyone lines up, and we hit go and see what happens.
1: Wow, I have an idea. They should do a point-to-point race between Bahrain and... Abu Dhabi, because they're not all that far from each other. There you go. And that should be the uh, set to qualifying for... The
2: cannonball a... Run Grand Prix would be pretty Totally, cool. 100%. <laughs> I mean,
1: if any... Anyway, like, got all those roads there are, like, straight as an arrow, and just, I mean, sand might be a problem. But that's about it.
0: Uh, well, speaking of the race coming up this weekend, the engine mode ban that we've heard about for a couple of weeks is coming into effect. Um, so just to recap what this is... Uh, the new technical regulations state that manufacturers must offer the same engine modes for qualifying and the race so no more party mode where you turn up the engine and qualifying and you know uh, to to a level that would not be sustainable in a race you've got to use the same uh, you know engine rpms and uh, fuel flow and um, all that stuff for the qualifying and the race. They will allow you to do different modes for like outlaps and inlaps and qualifying um, where the oh, power good, units good. need to, yeah, harvest energy uh, and things for like running into the safety car, um, formation laps, checkered flag. And you also get to retain the overtake button, which a lot of teams have, right. which is, um, uh, I think it's, I don't know if it's currently restricted, but it is now to only a- <laughs> energy deployment. So only it's restricted
1: at Mercedes if you're if you're racing your teammate. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: true. Yeah. Although uh, nobody
1: told Valtteri
0: Yeah. What was the quote? It was like uh,
1: nobody do, told me that. Do I have or
0: overtake? And he said, "Yeah, but you're not allowed to use it on your teammate." <laughs> nobody told me that.
1: Yeah, he said um, afterwards as well. He said in the post race, uh, post race conference, he said, "Yeah, like legitimately, nobody. I don't. Oh, that remember wasn't a joke. Saying that, no, no. Well, he was like, I don't remember anyone saying that. <laughs> that's like, great. He said maybe they did, and I didn't. I wasn't listening, but I don't. <laughs> right. That so
0: the the overtake button can only use your um, battery power, uh, and so there's a couple reasons I think that the FIA is instituting this ban. Um, one is that you know there is a rule that states the driver must drive their car alone and unaided. And so this is the thinking maybe, um, the pit wall advising drivers to select different engine modes is technically, uh, an aid. Um, and it also, you know, <laughs> remains to be seen whether this is going to actually curb any performance difference between, you know, teams like Mercedes, um, and the rest of the field because everyone kind of has these modes so except
1: ferrari doesn't right wasn't that the whole thing that they were saying oh yeah i oh, sorry use yeah
0: those. yeah um ferrari and i think renault as well don't have them at least they don't have them to the degree that mercedes and honda actually do right um so uh autosport here says the uh, the dynamite lap time seen in qualifying may lose a few tenths, but as Toto Wolf suggested, this may allow teams to turn up the engine modes for the races with fewer reliability concerns. So instead of um, having a, a, a big a big one for qualifying and like a medium one for the race, maybe we're going to get a medium high one for everything. Um, there's, a, there's another sort of, uh, I guess, a couple more concerns here. Um, there is a regulation that Autosport points out uh, that was introduced in the past couple of years, which states that manufacturers must supply the same specification of power unit to all teams, including customers, and therefore restricts the use of any, quote, special engine modes that a works team may have available to it. So this is kind of bringing the reality in line with the rules. Um, I think Christian Horner mm-hmm. has also said that these modes take a lot of resources to develop. So uh, that's one thing. That uh um cash strapped teams will uh not have to spend money on. Um so yeah, we will see. Uh it's sort of a big question mark going into this. I, I don't expect to see, you know, to, to really notice any difference, but um hopefully uh it's a little easier on those those cash strapped teams.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear what they're saying, I guess after the race, because we won't really know until yeah. after the race. Or or maybe, maybe quality practice. Because the, yeah.
0: Um yeah. Uh Rob, <laughs> do you have anything else on uh, Ferrari for us?
2: Well just uh so <laughs> it an interesting sort of defensive uh quote from Benato uh talking about how Ferrari's kind of stuck in this for the long haul. Uh there's there's no quick fixes. Uh, but also just weird quotes, uh, like talking about like metaphors that are that are not great. Uh, we are all in the same boat, but although the team is in the middle of the storm, we are very united. There is no crisis, no tension. Uh, there, instead, there is bitterness and frustration in each of us. But I believe that this frustration must be transformed into reaction and determination. Wow, a lot and, of uh, adjectives. Yeah. Uh, and it's also just like, Adverbs. yeah, we're in the middle of a storm, but it's not a crisis. Everybody's, uh, you know, we're still united. Uh, but yeah, obviously, we're all pissed off. Uh, but I think the, the the thing that does interest me is that there were a couple quotes following this weekend from Ferrari that indicated that nobody at Ferrari now wants to promise that there's any light in the tunnel. Uh, for where the team is at. And I think part of it is, at this point, nobody feels confident in making those promises. Like, I think uh, they're hoping that some results will speak for themselves, but you can't call the shot because uh, you, you've looked bad. But I do think the team is in such a nightmarish position because um, let, like you did not want to be in a position where your car completely went to hell one year before uh the new spec came online like i think Mm. it is such a strange place to be uh heading into 2021 where your program on this generation of car is just completely at sea and then also you're hoping for better results in the future but like just from a morale standpoint you can't you you can't uh, take a take a flyer on twenty twenty one. They can't like you can't be this bad uh, for an entire season without <laughs> trying to right the ship. So I think it's a it's a bizarre moment in Ferrari because I think Bonato uh took power in a Weird circumstance, and they're sort of changing the team around him. Uh, and obviously, you know, the new spec is uh, more than a full racing season away. So it's, it's just one of those weird things where I think the impatience building around Ferrari is on this one time frame. But this is a serious engineering problem that, whose solutions are probably unfolding, an organizational problem that are probably unfolding on a longer time scale. And so I'm I am less certain than ever that Bonato survives all this um, just because at some point someone is probably history says at some point somebody has to fall on their sword for this. Like mm-hmm. when the team started you know, throwing results that were way more passable than this Montezemolo was out so fast like I think he was fired like. Before he before the CEO before Machino left the track or something, right? Uh, so like Ferrari can be ruthless when it comes to this. I'm not sure uh, whether it's his fault or not. Bonato has the runway left to get this thing back in the air. Well, but
1: like as bad as Spa was, the next race coming up is like if they drop the ball in Monza, which they will. Ugh. Yeah,
0: I mean, but like I don't. My my feeling on this is like, what do you do? Like you developed your engine. Uh the biggest piece of your car to have this special ability to mm. we, we think like burn oil or, or do some weird fuel stuff um we don't know because the FIA reprimanded Ferrari and and allowed them to keep it secret still but then you can't do it anymore and so you're hamstrung because you developed your engine in such a direction to you know with the uh uh, the 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 knowledge that you would be able to use this ability and now you can't anymore and so you're stuck and you can't just turn an engine on a dime or mm. you know let's let's make this part bigger and then you'll get more horsepower like it's there's there's stuck here for a while
2: it was interesting ross braun uh, made some comments as well where he's like it's not just the engine uh they can't oh, really? get the tires to work like everything is going to hell on that car and i think that's maybe the other um the the other like bad sign is that it's not just that oh they closed our loophole that the engine was based or based around um one of their real priorities this year uh this was the shot they called heading into this year was we're really going to fix our aero we're really going to fix our handling cuz without handling you don't have a good race car uh and it looks like the car's handling is also not great yeah um, it's true it's, just look at the mclaren yeah it doesn't get a lot of yeah, it yeah, spends of a lot so yeah, like nothing has worked, um, and that might be just because the team was in a really rough place, and Bonato's just the guy who's at the helm uh, in the middle of it. But I, I'm not sure that the uh, entire leadership of this team can survive this because uh, they already, they already sh- like shot that out of a cannon. Uh, so yeah. you, you, that, that's the, that's the uh, scapegoat you can't use uh, now. So I, I don't know.
0: Well, Danny. Take us to the home of Ferrari, oh Italy. Oh, boy.
1: Well, well, Yeah, close enough. Uh, closer to Milan. It's uh, a couple of miles there. Monza, 1922 is the first time we ever raced here. It's been a staple of F1 for um, most of F1's uh, lifespan, although they've used different types of it. When we did our patron-exclusive review of Grand Prix, we talked a lot about the bank uh, the bank uh, course that was used there up until oh, about so the mid-70s. Amazing. Yeah, crazy, absolutely um, crazy dangerous if you want to see how it's incredibly steep and wide. It's very, very high at the top. Um, and they don't use it anymore, but they do pass under it, which you might uh, remember is the the little bit of the bridge that happens um, right after the second Lesmo cor- corner is actually um, the uh, oval-ish uh, uh, banking which also is behind the parabolic as well as where the last the other part of it is but we'll be racing on the regular road course it's 5.7 kilometers has 11 corners clockwise mostly right handers Um, pretty simple in terms of configuration but full of character uh, loads of lovely straights uh, and chicanes letting them up to slow you down as much as uh, can be done but it's a pretty uh, decent lap in terms of average speed 242 kilometers per hour so they're really going at it here um, not much elevation uh, it feels flat to drivers is what I've heard but uh, it does actually dip up the, the Lesmos are on a hill um it's just incredibly gradual the whole way there. You can barely notice it's on a hill and it's incredibly gradual the whole way down um to where the uh, to where the Ascari chicane is basically the Ascari chicane named after Alberto Ascari. I'm not oh, sorry the I guess we should call it the S's not the uh, chicane um named after Alberto Ascari. Is this the only turn that's named after where someone died? Maybe? Hmm. probably not very common these days. Um Would you want that I don't know. Um, I'd like something to be named after me, like a turn. We have lots of them. in, you know, even in recent years, Schumacher and Lauda have had terms named after them. Um, Schumacher, of course, still around, but we, we're not quite sure what, what state he's in. Um, But yeah, Alberto Ascari was... uh. The, the Ascari, we should talk about the Ascari stuff sometime because he died like... Because his father also died around... I think they died within, like, three or four days of each other in terms of their, like, lifespan. Both of them died in crashes. Both of them survived an incredibly dangerous crash weeks prior because Ascari, when he dipped himself in the Monaco um, marina, was, was right before this. um, uh, And both of them, I think, have turns named after each other as well, I think. There's, there's a whole sort of thing around that. But anyway, the Ascari S's, aside from the sort of... Uh, uh, I don't know morbid uh, name calling associated with them uh, are a wonderful piece of this uh, track. One of a, a, a bunch of corners, curva grande, big turn, which is kind of more <laughs> of a straight now. Um, it's it was more of a big turn before they put the chicane at the start of the track because there is a very tight chicane at the at the uh, for turn one and two, which is a, a big feature of it. A lot of times, drivers end up you know, they take lots of different lines through it. Um, you can really tell a lot about a driver f- from how they take it. And then also sometimes drivers going around the outside in traffic especially on the first turn might use the escape road there um, if they're they're forced to do so. Uh, but that used to be straight so it used to be going way faster so it kind of was a turn because you were at a higher speed by the time you hit it. You know, you would have been going incredibly fast. We had that really bad crash. It was a Hulkenberg I think who had that really nasty crash on the straight during practice about four years back? It was in a it was in the documentary on Netflix. Um, so you're going incredibly fast there. But nowadays you take it, it's actually, um, you're kind of getting speed at a turn too. So it's not so much of a uh, a turn you need to hit an apex on. It's kind of a bit more of a straightaway. Um, the Lesmos are taking a lot of speed, lots of fun there. As I mentioned, the Ascari. Um, S's and then uh, the parabolica which is this really interesting decreasing radius turn where it's tighter on the way in than it is on the way out um, so to speak uh, the uh, outside of it is uh, now I guess a little bit wider did they make a wider? I remember there was an issue with runoff there at one stage there's a very interesting bobble that happens on the way out of it as well uh, on the left hand side that's always kind of been there with the shifting earth underneath it Um And it's uh, one of the many places that you can overtake on this circus. There's shed loads of places to overtake, be it into any of the number of the chicanes uh, in the breaking zones and the way into the Parabolica, on the way out of the Parabolica, uh, down the straights as well. Um, And if you're really crazy, you might even try it around Lesmo. Um, Lots of people try it around the the first one and end up in the gravel, as we saw last year as well. Uh, Two DRS zones, uh, the start-finish straight. Um, and also the uh, uh, the f- before Ascari and the Lesmos so as you go underneath the tunnel, so the uh, the banking. And uh, yeah, loads of fun. Great little track, this one. Um, weather usually dry, but I'm sure Drew will give us an update.
0: Yeah, so it looks to be pretty similar conditions for qualifying and race day. Um, let's see. 81 degrees Fahrenheit, 27 Celsius for both days. Light Off- wind, eight kilometers an hour. Um uh five miles an hour precipitation though different saturday looks to be uh pretty dry but sunday climbs to about 33 percent for rain so we had 80 we for spa see. and that
1: didn't, Did we have didn't i thought out. it was 60. was it 60 okay yeah, it, near the end it felt like it was 80 because those big dark they kept showing shots of the dark clouds yeah if, they look, love to do this that. race could get good <laughs>
0: please don't don't, don't change that yeah, don't channel. tune it
1: exactly don't change that <laughs> um
0: all right so we've got uh, a, an official shift of one fantasy league uh, which you can join with the link in the show notes uh here are the top five players this week uh, or teams i guess you can enter multiple teams um team in fifth place planes weekly from canada wake me up before you toto is in fourth <laughs> place from south korea uh, in third place from America, Mercedes Nuts. Ooh. Then in second place uh, from the UK, Sam Team 2. And number
1: one from America, Putt-Putt Racing. Putt-Putt. Putt-Putt goes to the F1. Yes. Great game. Uh, should we take just some emails, Danny? Let's do it. Shift one Podcast.gmail.com or F1.cool slash emails. First one comes in from Brock. Hi, all. If you could rearrange all the drivers in F1, which would you pair as teammates and why? Thanks for keeping it going during the lockdown. Uh, Brock did supply some of uh, their own interesting uh, collaborations, but there were some of the more interesting ones, so I actually deleted them from them so we can have a fresh, (laughs) uh, clear-eyed account of this. Before Um, I move
2: off this, though, we should give Brock their due. I want to hear one of their good suggestions if we don't get to it.
1: Um, it was the one. One if, of the ones. If we don't ki- get to it, if we don't. Okay, if we don't get to. Okay, cool. All right, you guys go first then, and I'll 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 look that up. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, Drew, First of all,
0: the, the the ones that I immediately thought of were ones that either we have gotten or will get. It's like Fettel and Kimmy. That'd be great. The old guard. Um, okay. Okay. Which is you know we had that already and uh Norris and Ricardo which we're going
1: to get next year yeah which he did mention um, that was that was one of my ones as well
2: yeah i without hesitation i would put hamilton and verstappen oh, uh, oh on the same yeah because i i would just i want to see who would win and i don't know how it would go because i think um the dynamics would be fascinating because Hamilton has been the hungry uh, rising star, just taking it to like senior teammates, uh, yeah. and also we know that like at least as of a couple of years ago, he was very leery of Max and his racecraft. And I'm not actually sure they they engage in less, um, engage in somewhat less like shit talking about each other. But I'm not actually sure there's a lot of, uh, like, regard between those two drivers. And certainly, Max has a huge uh, ego when it comes to this stuff. And Horner's been feeding it, saying things like, uh, you know, Verstappen's the best driver on the track right now. Uh, because, you know, it, you just can't see it because he's not in a car anywhere near uh, competitive with the Mercedes. So I would... Uh, do I think it would be a, a healthy work environment? Do I think that'd be a very good team? Uh, absolutely not. But you know <laughs> what? I think at the very least we're in for a Hamilton Rosberg type relationship. <laughs> and if we were, if we were very lucky, if we were all uh, good, you know, good boys and girls, I think we might be in for a like Prost Senna level <laughs> of just yeah. uh, outright hatred.
1: That'll be awesome. Uh, another great uh, uh, collaboration or a combination of Brock mentioned was Albon and Gasly.
2: Oh, I was going
0: to say Albon yeah. and Russell. But that's, that's an about, interesting Al- one.
1: Too. Albon and Gasly is the, you know, the the who keeps the seat. So let's just, right. let's just race in the same car and, and let's let's throw everything else out of it. We'll do toe to toe. Let's figure this out. Um, I would
0: also do another year of uh, Grosjean and Maldonado.
1: <laughs> 'Cause we got We're that together. before. Yeah. Or did we? At wow. The Basham yeah. brothers.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Uh and I think yeah. uh Sparks would fly with
1: a Magnuson Hulkenberg. Yeah, that's that literally I was about to say that. That was <laughs> that's the one. That's the one I would want. And actually we have had reports that there is a chance with grosjean maybe going out the door next year that we will have um Magnuson or sorry Hulkenberg coming into that seat and then there's there's been another one if we're talking about people who aren't in F1 anymore let's stretch it even further and talk about prospects because uh, there was a report a couple of days ago I think it was Ralf Schumacher was saying that perhaps um, uh, his son Mick and Hulkenberg might end up at Alfa Romeo Mm. And what I'd love to see would be imagine Mick Schumacher and Sebastian Vettel on the same team. Oh, wow. I think that would be, oh, that'd
2: be really interesting. Yeah.
1: That would be like. The the team. Team.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hear me out. I would also really be keen to see uh, a Russell Norris uh, pairing. Yeah. Both because I think temperamentally, they just it's an interesting contrast. Um, yeah. Russell, I think, w- what's the way to put it? Um norris i think is kind of what the zoomer version of james hunt might be (laughs) uh you know just kind of a goofy but approachable and very sincere uh hard on sleeve type character and yeah russell reminds me of a very like old school fighter pilot uh type character um Mm -hmm. and i would be really interested to see their two styles i'm so curious to see like if Russell were in a uh, m- like properly midfield or front of pack car, uh, what's he got? Because we've seen him just demolish two teammates in a row. But you could—it's—it's it's a flawed test. I'd be dying to like put him on a fair fight with one of his peers.
0: Yeah, and Kimmy has not signed yet for next year. Yeah, it's, it's more like a hobby for me so. <laughs>
1: I'm glad we're getting the soundboard juice. Uh, You're going to have much more use out of it in the next question, Drew. Do you want to take this one from Cassie?
0: Yes. Cassie says, hi, Drew, Danny, and Rob. Recently, in the Shift F1 Patreon Discord, a user by the name of Johnson, brought up these amazing driver introductions from the 1989 Indy 500, where they list not just their racing accomplishments, but also an element of their personal life or hobby. (laughs) This is complete with the accompanying B-roll that is every bit as uh, every bit of '80s goodness that you'd expect. I've linked it here with the timestamp. It's a really fascinating watch to see how racing was presented just 30 years ago. Uh, so I haven't watched all of this yet. We're gonna see if we can sync this up and play it all together. Uh, you guys ready?
1: Yeah. yeah, let's do it. We're gonna we're gonna explain it to you, but you guys should be able to hear this, and also yeah. there'll be a link in the show notes, I'm sure.
2: Yeah. On yeah. the pole, the uh-huh. defending
0: champion, a three-time winner, Rick Mears me. broke his own one-and-four lap records here two weeks ago in qualified.
1: He is the first man at Indianapolis to hold the pole five different times. Okay. Alongside Good Alan, a four-time winner. Wow, he this guy's 50 like
0: 80 above. years old. Away from the track, he enjoys snowmobiling in Chama, New Mexico. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a shot of him snowmobiling. Oh my yeah! God! Sick jump. He just took a jump. Involved, That's great. Two-time world driving champion from Brazil. Now he
0: lives in Miami. And he loves speed
1: on wow. land and Sick on boat, sea. Sick boat, bro. He's driving a boat, Emerson. <laughs> the second row, on the inside, is Scotsman Jim Crawford in a car that he wrecked 10 days ago. He's still in physical therapy from an 87 wow. crash.
2: Kipping up the in the video of, of him.
0: Andretti, his 23rd yeah. 500, but only Man,
2: one win. Man, Indy big drivers were old as hell in 1989. <laughs> yeah. The well, youngest like, one's been like 50. Her I remember run. that was right before like a generational changeover weekend. happened but I forget that like it was Bobby all Ray these Hall, old the dudes dominating the sport back then. Look at This guy's just playing well, with his kids. Yeah. One of those kids. Bobby Rahal looked like he was green screened into his own family room. <laughs> 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 uh, in that shot.
1: That's a lot of he good hair in here too. Look!
2: Raul Boisel. Not far about that dude in ages. He's riding
1: a horse. A dressage. Yeah, jumping over. Horses Look at this guy. Power. He's Warhorses. also got horses.
2: Racing. Yeah, he Randy
1: looks like a Lewis farmer though. Third 500. He
0: holds a marketing degree. Randy and Lewis looks a like a dentist. Of California one.
2: <laughs> Look at that wine <laughs> Just tasting. Just swirling
0: some, some wine, okay? He is the son of Mario Andretti's twin brother Aldo.
2: Oh no, I've Look never heard though. of Aldo Andretti.
1: Hey, Look at this guy. That guy looks like he sells. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's feeding him spaghetti. Oh <laughs> <my God. laughs> this is like all of the driver's dads.
2: <laughs> wow, Ari Leondyke. <laughs> that that wow. By swimming that's swimming in Jumping into a pool. I forgot how majestic that was. All right. I think I that's it. Fabio was an open-wheel driver. <laughs> <Yeah. sighs> Good stuff. Yeah. Thank you, And Cassie. it goes on.
1: That's yeah, that's wonderful. They should do that. They should a slice a life. Let's. I want to know right. what they do. This is Kimi Räikkönen. Uh, boy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, do, do do Are F1 drivers just like us, or do they just no,
1: like not anymore? Now they're all like right. kids who have like been you know made in a lab eye to drive forever. It's like when they asked Max Verstappen if you ever had a girlfriend. Do you remember that question no. years back ago? So yeah, it's like that's how, like some of these guys have just like never lived like they've never well not lived. that's unfair to say but they've like they were, you know they left school young they didn't do college or have that type of independence they're in a sport that demands a lot of them was like like olympians they just they just lose out on so much life so like what's the slice of life look like for for any of those dudes you know
2: yeah and it's a, it's a cross sports issue right where it's like the everything is skewed younger and everything is skewed toward um Really tightly controlled development pipelines, mm. and it—I I think it is a function of uh, now across sports. There's this notion that every player performer is a is an investment, and I think people like I think beyond whatever skill gain you get from having drivers put through that sort of intensive ringer, I think the real function it serves is to make people feel good when they ink a deal and feel mm. like this this weirdly precocious 17-year-old is not going to give me buyer's remorse yeah. uh, because they said all the right things. they checked all the right boxes. Um, do I think that results in better performers? I'm skeptical.
1: They're they're younger, for sure. But yeah. are they better? Yeah, it's like, I, that's a good, you know, seeing all these indie drivers who all, you know, of course they're the best drivers in the world because they've been driving really long, but they started older. They wouldn't have had that opportunity until they were in their, I'm sure, mid to late like 20s or 30s, so... Yeah, it's interesting.
2: Yeah. Uh, our next email comes from Eli. Uh, could Ferrari run last year's car? So it's no secret that Ferrari's car this year is not exactly a title contender. Would it be legal and or possible for them to just pull last year's car out of the garage and run it for the rest of the season? I have no clue how it is on the other tracks, but in Austria, when they showed the team's time difference between last year and this year, Ferrari was significantly slower. So could they pull the old car out? love you guys love you guys, love the podcast. So right out of the gate, uh, the issue is that obviously it was an engine issue. Uh, the 2019 spec Ferrari was by all accounts using a trick to get around the fuel flow limitations that uh, make it hard for these hybrid engines to get uh, some maximum horsepower. And Ferrari didn't end run around that. And once that loophole was closed or discovered, uh, they have never, they, they have been nowhere near as competitive. And so the the drop in performance happened last year. Uh, as far as though, like, the hypothetical, okay, so they, they make the engine legal. Um, could they just dust off the 2019 car? Uh, I'm not sure actually because i think rules are tweaked almost annually just a little bit about what is legal but i'm actually not sure that this year there were any technical changes that would necessarily make a 2019 spec car um would necessarily rule it out
1: yeah i don't think they need to show the power units they have at, like they don't, they only out of a certain amount of power units every year, but I don't think they have to like have them at the start of the year and say these are the ones. Like that would be ridiculous.
2: well, we've, had, we've like, had
1: rollbacks before, but I'm not, yeah.
2: Could they put the engines they're using this year in the 2019 car? Yeah, uh, I think that's that's hurdle one. Uh, and two, I, I, my suspicion is there's like there are obstacles to making that work because everything is customized year over year and so it's you you probably can't easily just run last year's car because there's it turns out there's a lot of little things you need that you just haven't been fabbing uh for for a year (laughs) but the hypothetical is interesting i i'm not sure there were changes that would have made the 2019 car illegal it's just that um f1 is an extremely path dependent sport And it makes it very hard to go back and revisit changes. Like once you say here the changes we're making for 2020, um, you can't go back to 2019 because a lot of other things flow from that. And all your ongoing uh, data and R&D and development is predicated on that car. That's why it was such a nuclear option for Haas last year to go back to their uh, Melbourne spec uh when they'd gone down a bad development fork uh so yeah but but i don't know uh drew do you happen to know like are 2019 so, chassis illegal so i th- i want to say
0: there is some and please like write in if you actually know the answer to this question because i'm just gonna you know <laughs> wildly conjecture here but i think there is some bureaucratic um uh process by which you f- uh, formally enter Formula One yes. and or the Grand Prix where you enter your chassis um and so if they did that right now they might like lose their points because it might be considered oh. a new entry for that team similar to the way that uh, racing point um yes happened
1: right. yeah so back when VJ malia lost the control of the company right
0: right Mm. Uh, But yeah, hit us up, uh, ShiftF1Podcast at gmail.com Or uh, on Twitter, at ShiftF1Podcast I am at True Scanlon, that's at Danny O'Dwyer And at Rob Zachney, that's us around the internet Should we take it around the world, It's around the world! The World Rally Championship is in Estonia this weekend Uh, DTM is also back for uh, round four
1: in Assen. I'm DTM Uh, in Assen. God
2: damn it (laughs)
0: formula two and three will be supporting formula one in monza <laughs> supercars are back in townsville um and is that nope townsville in-, uh, in place Stace, in the country of there <laughs> <laughs> um uh, the imso weather championship uh is at uh road atlanta uh the motocross grand prix uh, of turkey is also happening this weekend Uh, The NASCAR Xfinity Series is on uh, Saturday at Darlington Raceway. Oh, darling. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. For the Sport Clips Haircuts VFW 200. uh, Can you get a haircut legally?
1: I'm fucking chopping my own mop right now. Look at that. There you go. I don't care. I'm not getting COVID on my hair.
0: Uh, Gander Mountain Trucks are also at Darlington for the South Carolina Education Lottery 200.
1: That's what fucking going to school like is during quarantine. Education oh, boy. lottery, boil that
0: dice. But we also got NASCAR. Oh my, Cup Series Pure. race, sure as can be. Uh, cer- certainly is over here at Darlington for the Cookout Southern 500. Yeah. What kind of what kind of sauce are we talking about? What kind of sauce. <laughs>
1: What's a southern sauce? A, I, I, I've, only had, I've never been there's there. A south, lot of, really?
0: There's a like lot of different south. kinds of sauce. Oh, yeah. There's like, and it's it's
1: highly regionalized. Uh, that was know, my experience your, living on the sort of right on the, right on the. Well, Mason, you've been in Kansas there. too. I've been, to, I've been to Kansas, but that's not south.
0: Well, it's, they got their own. They got their own sauce. They there's got uh, good barbecue. Yeah, Carolina sauce, hog sauce. Uh, Forming the one also happening this weekend, Friday, September 4th, kicking off Free Practice 1 at 5 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN, followed by Free Practice 2 at 9 a.m. on ESPN 2. Saturday, September 5th, Free Practice 3 is at uh, 6 a.m. on ESPN, followed by qualifying at 9 a.m. on ESPN. Sunday, though, everyone, is September 6th. The race starts at 9.05 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN 2. The Deuce! Anything is. else, Danny? Uh,
1: I, 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 I'll stop mentioning it every single week, but the uh, sprint and feature race in the two F3 races were good. Also, if you are up for s- watching some other racing stuff, Super Formula started back up as Twin Ring Motegi, I believe it was. Um, and uh, the YouTube channel The Race, which we have talked about before, um, had it live streamed, and the archive is also available, and that was good fun if you want open rail racing with a little bit of a different... Um, feel it's kind of like watching alternative universe F1 it's like uh what happened if hybrid engines didn't happen and you can't pronounce most of the drivers names
0: yeah also featuring um alpha romeo uh test driver tatiana calderon I oh believe.
1: yes of course yeah there's a couple of uh familiar names in there um which is which was interesting there's a guy uh, with the surname sato who is no relation to Takuma um and i know that i'm not the only person to google that because it is the second line on his wikipedia page <laughs>
0: uh rob any final thoughts uh
2: yeah i'm hoping for a more interesting race at Monza. uh the chicanes always generate a little bit of drama and a little bit of controversy because it seems like uh the chicanes at Monza, where every year we discover what are the rules when it comes to overtaking and leaving a reasonable amount of space uh on the uh, along the racing line uh so let's see this year uh who is the most sharp elbow driver uh in f1 well, if you'd like to support the show and
0: get access to all of our bonus episodes, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shiftf1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Mm, meow.